0: In this episode.
1: For most people, when you say that, Spike, they look at you like that sounds like an awful season.
0: College sports, professional sports is a totally different aspect. You can't compare youth sports one to
1: one with professional sports. Spike, do you, can you tell me your 11U record? Let's finish it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh,
0: coming in. Coming in. Yeah. Black, Black. I just wanna, win. I just wanna yeah. win. LA BB who we running with? Running, running, yeah. running. 2233 three. I'm on 10 again. Yeah, stay your name. What is up everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms and this is a show about people, culture and how to create a winning lifestyle. I'm back better than ever. I traveled the great states of Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, New Jersey and briefly in New York and I'm back here in St. Louis. I just got back from a wedding and I'll tell you what, the Indians know how to party. And for those that don't know, my wife is Indian. And so obviously majority of our family get togethers are Indian weddings and celebrations. And I come from obviously being in St. Louis. We have a huge Catholic town and there's a lot of private schools. I grew up in a private Catholic school, and I thought that the Catholics knew how to party. The Indians put the Catholics to shame, (laughs) without a doubt. It's like four days straight. Four days straight. (laughs) You have no idea what's happening half the time, and you're staying up till three in the morning and then waking up at 7 a.m. and then doing it all over again. And I got to a point where I, like uh, my energy level, I can, I can hang with the best of them, but her cousin is just on a whole nother level. He has two kids, awesome, beautiful children, and they're, they're a blast. Um, but, and he's, and he was going hard in the paint till three in the morning we wake up at 7 a.m. and he's yelling, oh, it's wedding day. I'm like, oh, my gosh, are we, we're back at it again.
1: <laughs> just wait till my second cup of coffee, please. Yes. Please. Yes. Um,
0: guys, today what I want to talk about is uh, truth the truth about competition. A lot of people go towards the winning side. They want to just have the player win as much as they possibly can because they think that that's going to cultivate and give them – Self-esteem, so that they're able to go out and attack the world. But I'm here to tell you that we're we're not approaching this the right way. Is that, and Aaron says this the says it the best. If we can get our teams to be 500, we have given them the best schedule that we possibly could give them. We have reached their peak. Which is totally opposite of how people think because they see professional sports. Oh, we've got to get 40 wins. We got to get 50 wins. We got to get 60 wins. We got to lose maybe 10 or 12, but th- we got to have majority of wins. Understand that college sports, professional sports is a totally different aspect. You can't compare youth sports one to one with professional sports. With that said you're as i said the 500 you're like well how does that make any sense it makes sense because there's so there i was talking to one of our coaches here in the facility at 12 years old there is a huge population of players inside the sport that's the hot, that's the peak so with this huge population of players what do you think the competition level is going to be like amongst all of them there's going to be a huge variation. You could, have play, you could have a team that just is lights out and kills everybody and is on top of their game. And then you have another team that's just starting out. And they're getting thrown into these tournaments with other teams that have been playing together for three years. So there's this huge gap, and the, and it's fragmented because they don't we don't know where we should be playing our tournaments. That's why I, I very I'm very excited about youth sports moving forward because we're starting to learn how to actually okay this tournament is where the top elite level travel teams go. That's where you're going to have a Milwaukee or a Kansas City or a St. Louis or a Philadelphia or a New York travel into one location and that is the best of the best at that age group and they're competing. And I think that's, that's why I like Perfect Game and that's why I like PBR. These tournament companies that are trying to go more of a national scale and be elite, that really helps us as a group To say okay these guys need to be over here and then you have the mid-level tier teams which again you're going to be probably traveling in a mid-market so you're going to be staying in the midwest and then you're playing against some localized teams but you're also playing against some teams that are from different states and then you have your lower level teams which again when i say lower level that doesn't mean it's bad it just means that they're at that level right now, that they're still developing, because that lower level guy could end up being a dude in like five years. And you're playing select teams in your area. You don't travel, you maybe travel one or two times a year, nothing over dramatic. And then you have your lower, lower level team, which is your association team, which there is a place for that. You gotta have that, you gotta cultivate that. And that's the biggest thing for me is I want to cultivate players coming into this game because it is the greatest game in the world in my humble opinion so we have to have these different levels and we have to think about winning totally different which is back to coaches some coaches out there are when winning at all costs they try to go in and Guns a blazing, and we're just gonna roll through this tournament, and we're gonna we're gonna put up ten runs, feel good about ourselves. We're gonna run up the score. We're gonna have a six zero start, and then we're gonna move on. And they treat it like college football, which it can't be that way. If you're going into a tournament, you're like, man, I don't know how. Like, this is gonna be a pretty difficult thing. We got we got the pool of death. We got a really good pool. I don't know how we're gonna make it into bracket play. That's what it should be. If you're struggling to get to championship Sunday and you and you're going to get a couple wins here or there, that's when you know you're at the right level.
1: You touch base on a lot of different topics there. So let me let me go back to the 500 idea. Okay, the winning percentage of 500 going 20 and 20. For most people, when you say that spike, they look at you like that sounds like an awful season. I mean, I don't want to lose 20 games. I don't want my kid to see that type of failure. I don't want to see him struggle that much. Like, why would we ever want to be in that position? And what we're trying to say is you didn't see how much he learned from that. You didn't see how much he had to compete. Because if you go 20-20, if you go somewhere around 500, you're always in close games. You're always in pressure situations. You're always in – games that are going to make you better. I'm a firm believer in this. I don't think you learn a whole lot winning 20 to nothing or losing 20 to nothing. I don't I think those games not that they're a total wash or a total, you know, lack of development, but in all honesty, when you're winning 20 to nothing you're not having to go throw your best pitches. You're not having to go put up your best at bats. You're not having to go make your best plays. You're not failing. And when you're losing 20 nothing, you're just getting beat down way too much to ever learn anything about the game. But in those five to four wins or losses and consist- consistently competing throughout a whole course of a season, that's how I think you make major gains in this sport. I have conversations consistently with coaches saying, you know, like I, it's funny you brought this topic up because two nights ago I had a coach who was in our system and he's off to a nice 12 and 2 start in his fall. He just put together a team for fall and then he's going to you know carry it on in the spring and summer of next year. And he's off to a 12 and 2 start. And he even made the comment. He's like, yeah, we're, we're doing really well. And we're beating a lot of teams, but we're probably playing at too low of a level. And I'm like, yeah, you, you probably are. I mean, I'm glad that the boys are having success. And again, there's nothing to take away from that. Like having success is great. I think there's a lot to be said for having those runs where you go twelve and two or twenty and four and whatnot and you're beating your competition because it, it keeps kids attentive to the game. It's obviously fun to win, but at some point you gotta kinda come back to reality and find a situation or a level that's gonna push kids, right? And that takes me to a second point is having a perspective as to understanding who you are. And I think that coach had that. I think he had that idea of, oh, so we're playing at this level, whatever that might be, let's say you double know, A, okay? If you're on a U-trip scale. Maybe we should go try to find a couple triple A tournaments to play in and really see how we compete there. And I told him I thought that was a great idea. I'm not saying go jump all the way in on triple A, but maybe do three, four type of tournaments and play at a higher level, see how you guys, your, your players react to it, and go from there. And then you're constantly kind of finding that balance of, of where should my schedule be? And I'm not saying, listen, we have elite teams in the world, Spike. We have some of the top teams in the country in our program who, if you play at the highest level at their age group, they're going to go 50 and 5. But that's not everyone. 99% of the world, in my opinion, should be kind of going towards the model that we're talking about. And it's hard
0: to get that schedule because you're dealing with a lot of marketing things that are going on inside of that space. Because, again, if I'm a tournament director, my whole goal is I want to try to get as many teams as I can into an event. That's just honest opinion. That, that is capitalism at its finest, which I have nothing wrong with. They capitalism. are running a business. They are running a business. And when you have a brand name, you're like, "Oh, we're going to blah 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 tournament." Well, what type of tournament is that? Do you know who's actually in that in that actual event?
1: The invite only gold ring national type event. Yeah, we talked about right. this. the whole right. invite only right.
0: which is almost laughable at right. this point. Um, you got to see who who's actually coming to the actual to, to right. the event. And the savvy directors, the directors that I respect a lot they post that who's coming and they're not afraid to put it out too early because they want everyone to know, Hey, we got these teams coming and this is our event. And they, and they do that for double A events. They do that for major events and they do that for their invite only events. And they're very, and they're very honest with it because they want, because if I was a tournament director and this is why I love these savvy directors, they know that if I can get games to be one run or two run, those those teams are going to come back Mm -hmm. and they're going to they're going to crave it more the director that i don't really respect is the one that keeps the look who's coming away from the from away from the public and just tries to fill in as much as they possibly can which again i i get it i understand it but if we're trying to develop players in the right direction and give them the best route and searching for that 500 season Those are the events that I want to be a part of no matter if that's if I have a double-a team looking for double-a events if I'm a major team looking for major events
1: Well, and I think from our perspective because you know just in our St. Louis market we control our high school schedules, right? We don't control our youth schedules But we control our high school schedules and we have different levels of teams at our high school I mean, they're all very competitive kids who are playing on their high school rosters and some are working on to play in college But when we set our schedules We're constantly looking at those tournaments and trying to find the right fit for them because the key word is we want them to compete. We want our our highest level guys who are going on to college to compete against other high level guys who are going on to college. We want our guys who are maybe freshman level players who who are working, developing to play against other guys of the same nature because that is going to make them better. That's the key word here, Spike. Finding situations that's going to make them better. And you hear this word being thrown a lot out in
0: our space, which is player development. It's like the catch-all be-all. Like, oh, if I could get someone to come into our club, I'll just say player development. Well, what does player development mean? How do how do you how do you actually approach player development? Well, we do training. Okay. What else? Well, no, we we're player development. Okay. Well, how do you develop them? Oh, we train. Okay, well, what else what else? Well, like when you go to games, what do you try to do? Oh, we try to win So you're not player development. That's the whole catch-all of this whole player development craze And for our standpoint, we have a direct purpose a direct line on how we think about player development It is from literally the start of when we have a relationship with you to the very end when you are going off into the real world we, we design our training. We make sure that we understand, okay, this is exactly what they're going to do. This is how they're going to do it. Now, what do they need to do during the high school season? What do they need to do during the actual schedule? That's the most important thing is if we were more winning to, winning oriented, we would just put them in all local events and just say, all right, let's just see how it goes. We'll win 40 games and lose 12 and it'll be a great season.
1: Well, and let, hold on one second, because you just hit on a point that I want to talk about. Don't get it twisted. It's not like we're sitting up here saying we want you to lose. No, okay? that is not the point of this conversation. I think that's what some people might take it as. Some people might say like, "Oh, well, you just want them to lose half your games." Or no. In a perfect world, all of our teams, in my opinion, go forty and zero, and they all win two run games. That would be the best situation ever because they compete they learn they get better and they win everything but in all reality is that the case no
0: no cuz you don't have the depth no high school team has the depth to do that they just don't you're going to you're going to end up failing at some point you're going to find a weakness inside that team that and if you are sitting here and be like no they could totally do that that's video game numbers that is straight video game numbers that's if they're all machines and they go out there and they execute to a perfect t to get that done. And that that it that it just doesn't happen at the high school level. It's
1: nearly impossible at, the, at any level. And you know what, in all honesty, and don't, you know, don't shoot me here for saying this, I kind of want them to lose a little bit. And here's why. You have to learn how to adjust off of that. You have to lose. Okay? I've said this many times in these podcasts prior that I've learned so much more from my failures and my successes and I will continue to do that. So sometimes when players lose those tough games, or maybe, like I've had this where my teams are doing really, really well, and man, they run up against a dude on the other team that just shoves it to them, it's a little, little wake-up call. It's like, hey, you are not as good as you think you are, and you need to continue to work, and you need to continue to get better. Some of those, I'm looking for those types of games to so just check my teams and make sure that they know, hey, I, I have to keep on that you know, development process road.
0: And that's what I'm talking about with player development is that if you have an organization that says, oh, we're, we're all for this player development thing that everyone else is on, how are they designing their schedules? Are they, are they doing it to design it to get a better margin on their their product? Or are they doing it to – are they sending players into a tournament because they want them just to win so they feel good about themselves so they'll have a returning customer? Or are they really testing them? Are they really putting the player first? Are they really putting the parents first? The coach first? That's part of that organization. Are they putting them in the best situation? That is super important because that's development. That's actually growth. That's putting someone in a position where it could hurt you in, in the short run because they, they might have some struggles. They might They might bitch at you a little bit. But at the end of the day, I, at the I, 20 years down the road, I want that player to look back and be like, damn, that's the spot where I end up figuring, figuring a lot of stuff out. That's where everything kind of clicked for me.
1: Spike, do you remember any of your big win seasons? Dude, no. Not a, no. Do you, can you tell me your 11U record? No. You can't. And you won't, and nobody can, and no one can remember that trophy that they won, going five and zero, outscoring your opponents sixty six to five.
0: The only the only trophy that I ever remember is we were at Murray, Kentucky, and I was fourteen years old, and this was like the big tournament for us at that time. It was probably like some local tournament or something. But we I, I put this in my head like this is like the national championship, but we ended up making a huge run to championship Sunday. And from the from the loser side, got, getting into the winner side and we had to literally win every game. It was like our fourth game of that day. And we ended up losing to a really good team. And I remember I got this second place trophy and I was so mad. I end up throwing it in the porter potty because I was so pissed off that I got a second place trophy. I would have rather left there without a second place trophy.
1: Well, And that's my point. You remember that. That's kind of like adversity. That's, that's yes. a failure. You and, remember that.
0: And some people might say like, well, well, that's you're very ungrateful. No, that's me being pissed off and be like, I'm going to work harder. So next time I get into a tournament or a situation like this, I can end up finishing the job.
1: And again, I, I'm, not, I'm trying to make this point over and over because I want it to sink in. It's not saying that we shouldn't celebrate the successes. Those are important, too. The, the winning those big tournaments, having great seasons, that's a real important factor as well. Winning is contagious, and it makes you want to win more. But failing is also important, and that's what we're trying to say with this, is that finding that blend and making sure that, again, you're always, always, always competing and, and growing and getting better and getting pushed, that's so much more important than anything else.
0: Because if you can do it at the top level, where you end up going to your highest peak, and you're you're grinding it out, and you finally get to a point where you can you are, you're in grasp of getting that win, that win is going to feel you're going to feel so much better about the situation than if you would have gone to a lower level tournament and just rolled through everybody.
1: And I'll give you this example too, because I've I've unfortunately seen this play out as well. I've seen it where teams have been put in situations where they win, 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 playing at lower levels than they should, and then all of a sudden the next year maybe they go too high and then they lose, 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 and unfortunately those kids go away from the game. They're, they're just done because they can't take it. They don't like it anymore. It's, it's too much of one thing and then too much of another. And they're just out of the game and they go find something else to do. And I feel like if you look back at it, if you would have approached it differently and just found situations where they won one, then they lost lost. Then they won one one, then they lost a little bit. That, that might have changed that outcome for that player. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. I don't know how you feel, but I see that all the time with my lessons, with, with teams that we've had in the past. And it just, you know, whenever that losing streak happens, and it inevitably will, that's when all the arguments happen. That's when all the frustration comes out and that's when the kids just Ultimately decide hey, I'd rather go do something else. I, I love
0: telling this story um, So a lot of people ask me like how did you get into switch hitting because when I played I could bat on the left side and the right side and I'm a little bit um, Different because I learned how to switch hit when I was in college And people ask like how did, how did you start there? I said, you know what? I had a neighbor that was really into base big into baseball like myself Um, And we would bat left-handed because we kept on hitting the ball all over the yard We'd always have to chase it on top of these rocks and it it got really annoying So we just batted on the left side, but that's besides the point the real story here is is that when I my friend my neighbor played at the level of his age group and His team was really good. Like they were known across st. Louis Mm -hmm. and they were a triple-a team, but they would stay locally and they just crushed through everybody and I was younger than him, and I played up at his age group. And I had to grind for everything, literally grind, because I was, I was a lot smaller, I was athletic, I could throw hard, but I just wasn't at that level of him. Well, he ended up playing college, but he didn't, he didn't live up to the career that me and him always inspired to be at. And I always think back on that, and it's probably because at some point, like he just kept on winning and, winning and winning and winning and winning and winning and just rolling through teams. He had all the best players on his team and he was good, but he was probably a mid-level player on that team. And then me, I was a probably a lower level type of player on my team and I was on playing up and I kept on grinding and I wasn't on the best team. I was, on guy, I was playing with guys that were good, but like we were 500, maybe just a little bit above it really served me when i got to high school and i started facing that adversity and it even served me more when i didn't even get a college scholarship right off the get go i had to grind to get a junior college scholarship which then set me up to missouri state and then pro ball that time frame of when my dad i'm sure his friends were saying why are you playing this guy up he's smaller he's younger Yeah, he's talented, but like, just have him sit down for a little bit. Go down to an age group and have him just develop his skills a little bit more. I'm very glad my dad said, no, we're not doing that. I'm going to try to force him to an older age group and face with the older guys to see what would happen. And it played out. It was right. Because, and I'm not saying, okay, I'm going to put little Johnny, my little Johnny into an older age group. I'm telling you that you need to know what Johnny's skill set is and really be honest with yourself and say, all right, I think this is the best team for him. I think this is the best league for him. Okay, co- coach, what type of tournaments are you going to play in? I'm going to play in probably double A. Well, Johnny's probably a little bit lower than that. Okay, we're going to go to a different team. Understand that because you never know what Johnny could be.
1: Well, I, I'd say it this way. Unless your name is Mike Trout, because I think that's the only guy that I've ever seen, and maybe he's even not in this example, he's the only guy I've ever seen who's just pretty much never failed that much. I mean, every single season in and out he's had success. So unless your name's it, it unless your name's Mike Trout, I would sincerely take a look at where your level at is right now and put that person in a situation to where they're going to fail and win at the same time because if you don't you're setting them up for failure you're setting them up for that big situation of adversity that ultimately they're not going to understand how to handle
0: but i'm sure at some point his parents saw something that like hey this guy this this kid's pretty talented He's pretty good. Well, sure. And same thing with Bryce. Bryce Harper skipped high school.
1: Yeah, he went as a a 16-year-old to junior college. He
0: could have easily stayed in the high school level and just destroyed high school baseball, got another crazy amount of home runs, but he
1: realized, oh, I can go get my high school diploma and then go play college baseball, like, now? He was a 16-year-old kid playing against 20-year-old men in one of the best junior college conferences in the country where consistently dudes get drafted out of. Yep.
0: And he didn't even win the College World Series that year. Nope. That's the best part about it, is that he tested his... Because how I know this is because the roommate at Missouri State, he was the one that knocked Bryce Harper's team out of the World Series. Like, literally by himself, he knocked him out. He had two home runs at that game. So, but the, the moral of the story is that whether it was his dad or Bryce himself, he saw something and saw an opportunity and said, I want to play better competition because I know that I'm not going to get tested yeah. here in high school baseball. And I'm also not going to get drafted until another two years.
1: And he had to get pushed. He had to see how he could put himself into a situation where he could compete better. Yes, because at some point he was just way, way, way too good for what he was playing. It didn't make sense to continue to do that. And, I, I, and that's the same thing if you're, if you're on the high end or the low end.
0: The last point I want to make on this is that um, winning is a drug and losing brings out the warts. And one of my, co- my junior college coaches, um, he, said, he said it best. He said, winning solves a lot of issues. It cures a lot of problems. And it's true. If you win a lot, everyone is super happy cuz they can't make a they can't they can't give their opinion because you're winning. How can we how can we fix something that's not broke cuz we're winning? That's the problem. Is that in youth sports, you could easily set yourself up to where you're beating a whole bunch of teams and it's perfectly fine. It's hunky dory and you'll never have an issue. You'll never face a parent problem. You'll never face a player problem. You'll never have to make that hard cut. Because winning is a drug, and it solves a lot of issues. Now, losing brings out a lot of drama. If there's an issue with something, it's going to be brought to the surface, which is fine. You can't be afraid of that. Now, if you're losing a crap ton where you're going 2 and 40, that's a totally different story. And that's what I, I don't want to happen for you. What I do want to happen for you is that you're at that 500 level. You are dealing with some, some warts. And you are having that kick of that winning drug, that little mm-hmm. dopamine kick. And mm-hmm. you're like, man, this is freaking awesome. I'm just jacked up about life. you got to have both. You don't want to be too much of the drug addict where you're hit with so much dopamine and you're, you're literally hunky-dory all the time because the short-term benefit is great, but the long-term outcome is not great. And those players aren't learning anything and you're probably not growing as a person too. That's, that's a lot of what a lot of people don't realize is that as coaches, we learn a lot about who we are in one season. And we talked about this in the hotel rooms when we weren't on the podcast, we would share stories and we we would talk about certain players and say, man, if he could do this, if he could do that, well, this is how, how I'm approaching my communication with them. Is that the right way we should handle it? How do we handle this, this line of things? And we get better as we go. And that's the whole point because we did face adversity and we did win a lot of games. We got to have both hundred percent guys. That is this episode of the closing pitch. Again, my name is Spiker Helms. Across from me is David Berkby. Please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a ton. What even helps us out even more is if you found any value or even thought that this conversation was interesting, please share this with a friend. We are we are not full-time podcasters. Um, we have not devoted um, a budget towards marketing, which, I frankly, I wouldn't want to. I would want our base to be able to deliver that out. Um, because then that tells us, Hey, we're hitting a chord. We're doing the right thing. Um, so if you guys could pass this on, we'd really appreciate it. Um, we'll catch you in the next episode. See you guys. Thank you for watching or listening or both to the closing pitch. If you'd like to get your closing pitch featured on the show, we use a podcasting app called anchor where you can submit your statement or question via audio or what you can do is comment in the comment section of this post. We also accept direct messages. Please give us the A-OK. If you do send us a DM to use your statement or question on the show. Last thing, please give us a review on your platform of choice five-star preferably. And we value your opinion. And this allows us to reach more people. Thank you for listening. And we will catch
1: you in the next episode.